It's a great day. It is an absolute great day. And we've been, we've been talking in the last two services on Sunday morning. <clears throat> Title of my message, Why Victory? Why victory this year? Why is being victorious? Why is winning every battle, every time, no matter the cost, no matter the time that it takes, why is it so important? And, you know, I've really come to the place where I think that one of the most difficult things for people is just really believing that God is for them. When, when, I, when I came into the kingdom of God, I was about two months before I turned 18, and I, I got born again. And all of my family, my, my two sisters and my younger brother, and I had, by that time I had stepbrothers and sisters, None of them were saved. None of them were born again. None of us were. And I, I came into the kingdom of God in a very kind of unique way. But after I came into the kingdom, I, I had a lot of weird thoughts about church life. And I, I didn't like church people. I did not like church people. Because all the, all the church people I had been around were boring, you know, and they didn't like anything that was fun. And I mean, I just didn't like church people. I wasn't raised in church, and I did not like church people. And the only pastors that I knew were boring and never smiled. And, you know, I just, I don't know, it was just I, somehow I, I just had that picture of church life. It was dead and boring, and I didn't like it. So, when I came into the kingdom, I had to change the way that I thought. And, but, but, I, but I had this, this, this picture of what I thought church was about, so I kind of tried to be a certain way, but I wasn't real truthful with the life I was still living and, then I, and, and what I appeared to be to other people. Appeared to be righteous and holy when I was around one group of people. And then I'd leave those people and go around the other people I really wanted to be around. But I didn't want anybody to know that I was around those people because I didn't think, as a Christian, you should be around people like that. And I, I just was one of them. <laughs> and I thought I was supposed to get rid of all them and just alienate myself from everybody. So, as I kind of, in the first couple of years I was saved, you know, I was just on this crusade. And nobody liked being around me, and I was, a, I was irritating. And I've seen people like me, you know how I was after I got saved, and they're irritating. I don't like being around them even to this day. And <clears throat> I'd preach to everybody, and my, my, my family had a family reunion one year after I got saved and didn't even invite me, you know? They don't want me around. Nobody wanted to be around me. They were running from me instead of to me. But one of the things I, I realized once I kind of got over some of that mess and got straight and just became who I was, you know, what I realized is that and, and it started with my family, my oldest sister. You know, when, when I really sat down with her one day, I'll just tell you this one story. <laughs> this one story. I was in, she lived in Houston. <laughs> and, uh, and it was, and, and I, she actually let me come stay at her house, but it was, 
it was during the crazy time, and I was at her house, and, and this Jehovah Witness person came to the front door, and uh, they wanted to share the gospel. <laughs> All I'd heard about Jehovah Witnesses is that they were of the devil. You know, that's I don't I I didn't know how that was, but I just heard that. You know, so they came to the to the door, and I just man, I just unloaded on this little woman. <laughs> you know. And, she starts backing up, you know, and so I just start chasing her down the street, you know, and my sister's watching me, you know, and, and, all, and, and I can remember the words of my sister when I came back, and she goes, are you sure that's the way you should do that? <laughs> I mean, she wasn't saved or nothing. You, you need to be chasing those people down the street, you know, yelling and screaming, you know, but anyway, but... <clears throat> One of the things I realized as I started, when I got over some of that stuff and I started really being effective, because God's effective. If you just let God be God in you, He's effective, man. You know, you can minister to anybody. But the thing I realized from her is that there's no way that she could come to God until she cleaned up her dirty laundry list. And got rid of all these things in her life, you know? And I realized, I realized then, and I even realized today, how many people really don't believe that God are for them. I'm telling you today, God is for you. He's not against you. I don't care what you've ever done in your life, God is for you. And in, in, In 1 John, just, just look at a couple of verses that we talked about in the last couple of weeks. I want to I read these and then I want to make a couple of points. But in 1 John, chapter 5, and, and verse 1 and verse 4. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. How many in here today believe that you're that that Jesus is the Christ? Just lift your hand. Just if you believe that, you know, just lift your hand real high. You believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one that He came. Okay, all right. So you're born of God. If you if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, then you're born of God. Verse four says, "Whatever is born of God overcomes the world." It's just it's just that simple. I tried to make it a lot more difficult through the years, but it's that simple. If you're born of God, you overcome the world. Why? Because He overcame. This morning, we're partaking of communion and what the, the, the juice and the cracker that we have today that represents His body and blood, what, that, what, what we do that for, the Bible says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of what I've accomplished for you. Well, the more I understand what he accomplished, the more I can understand that I'm an overcomer because of the fact that he overcame. So, it says, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even my faith. My faith in the fact that he overcame and that he really loves me and that he's really for me and he really wants me to win and he really wants me to be delivered and he really wants me to be blessed and prosperous and he wants me to advance and he wants me to always be on top and not underneath of any circumstance or any situation that I face. But if you're looking at that through the eyes of defeat, 
No matter how much I tell you, you're still going to believe that God's holding something against you. And I'm telling you today, God's holding nothing against you. The only thing that is against you is you. The only thing that you say is against you is what is against you. God says in His Word here what the, the fact that He is for you. He said, I'm for you and not against you. In, we, we read this verse last time in, in uh, 1 Chronicles 29. Let's look at that. 1 Chronicles 29. And verse 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over everything. So, what belongs to God is greatness, power, glory, victory, majesty, and everything else that is good. That's what belongs to God. That's His. And the Scripture says in the psalm, we're not looking at that verse, but just remember this. In the psalm, I think, I think it's in... Um, Psalm 115, maybe, or something. But it says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness, cattle on a thousand hill, all of it belongs to Him. But the Scripture says that He's given it to the sons of men. So, so this is what God is saying to you. All right? God, it, it, you know, I, I could say if God was saying, no, 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 it's not if God was saying this. God has already said this, and it's, and it's an ongoing thing that never stops. It's a perpetual manifestation, His Word is, of who He is. He never changes, so when He first said this, that we know of, that we have account of, He had already said it. <laughs> And he's, all, and he's still saying it. And this is what he's saying. God is saying this to you. I am great, and you're with me, so you're great. I am all power and authority and dominion, and because you're with me, so are you. I'm victorious. It's not, God isn't, God isn't in a place of, it's not like Star Wars. It's not like, you know, Darth and, and, uh, and Luke. They, they fight to the end to see who wins. No, he already won. So he says, I am victory and I am majesty and you're with me. And In essence, what he's saying, because he's given us a choice, if you'll choose victory, then victory's yours. I've already given it to you. It's already yours. And so just receive it. 
The, the, the winning spirit and the winning attitude I've already given to you. And, 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 and in fact, listen, see, if you ever say something like, well, you know, I was born on that side of the tracks or I was born into a family and they, they were a bunch of losers and I was this. and it, Yeah, you can, you can accept that or you can say, okay, you can say, that's how I was, but now today I'm this way. See, even, even as we're speaking and as, as I pray over you at the end of this service, I'm, I'm going to speak over, over this congregation today that victory is ours and that it becomes a part of us right now. No matter where you've been or what you've done or what's happened to you in your life, victory is yours. And you can, you can live your life and walk around and choose to live in the mully grubs and, and choose to live in the woe is me syndrome. Or you can live above on, and on top because that's where God is, but He's positioned us there. So the victory and the majesty and everything in heaven and in earth is His and He's given it to us. All authority. Everything. Not just some things, but all things. And Lord, today we acknowledge the fact that you are exalted over everything. You know, it'd be one thing if God said, if God used phrases like some things, or sometime, or, you know, he was conditional based on color of your skin, you know, your nationality, how tall you were, or short you were, how ugly or pretty you are, you know. But all those things are relative. See, if you're a young person and you're not married yet and you're thinking about marrying somebody, I had a guy one time gave me a list of all these things that he was looking for in a wife. And all of them were physical. She had to look this way, do this, all, the, all this stuff about what he was looking for. And then one day he brought me a picture of what he was looking for. You know? And I thought, dude. <laughs> you know, I've known, I've known some that looked like that, and they were devils. It's not based on what we think is beautiful, or what we think is beauty, or what we think is acceptable. God didn't make a mistake with your life. I don't care what you think you are. Listen to me. So many people cut themselves short. I could never do that or never be that or never accomplish that because I don't look like that, wear that, or have this, or you know, I wasn't raised that way or whatever. God raised you. God will raise you where you're at to become everything He created you to be. Listen, God does not call the gifted people. Wherever you're gifted, it does not call you in your gifting, nor your talents. But he equips those that he has called. God equips and prepares those from the inside out. If, if, if Samuel would have picked the brother that looked the best, he would have picked the oldest. He was the oldest, the supposedly the best looking, and the strongest. And when Samuel went to pick a king, and God said, it's none of them. Where are the rest of the sons? 
Well, we got one out there, he's just a, he's just a this and just a that. He's just out there herding a bunch of sheep. He smells, he stinks. He's got red hair and, he, and he's, you know, and he's little. Bring it. That's him. King. See, because God looks at the heart and never, everybody say never. never. Not one time can I find in Scripture where God ever judged anything by the sight of his eyes or the hearing of his ear. In fact, in Isaiah it says that our Savior was one that came not judging by his eyes or what he sees or what he hears, but judging from the nature of God. And I'm telling you, today, you're a winner. God created you to be a winner. And, and since he created you that way, then you are, whether you accept it or not. And I'm telling you today, today is the day to accept it. Today is the day to accept, I'm a winner. Say it, I'm a winner. Say it three times. Do you like to confess things like that? Yes. Some people think it's, some people are annoyed with it. <clears throat> but I'm telling you today, you're a winner. And you need to tell yourself that you're a winner until you become the winner you were created to be. And every time you try to cut yourself short based on what anybody else does or can do, you try to cut yourself short, shut it off in the name of Jesus. Cut it off, shut it off, and give it no place. So I'm telling you today, God has never created a loser ever. And all of us were created in His image exactly alike. I mean, we all look different, but we are created in His image to think like God, to act like God, to operate like God, and to fulfill the plans and the purposes of God. Every person ever created on the planet was created for that purpose. Can you say amen? We read this last week also, and I want to read it again in 1 Corinthians 15. This is a powerful passage. I just want to look at a couple of verses here. 1 Corinthians 15. And verse 50 says, This I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Or does corruption inherit incorruption? And so the thought is we've got, to, we've got to take on, we've got to embrace immortality so that mortality dies off. So in verse 54, the last sentence of verse 54 says this, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O hell, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. No matter what you do, it's not in vain. But, but here's, the, here's the deal. Thanks be unto God who gives me the victory, or who has given me the victory through what 
Jesus accomplished. So my faith is in the fact that Jesus overcame, so I'm an overcomer because he overcame. And for me to overcome day by day by day by day, I have to believe that that victory has already been given to me. I'm already victorious. I'm already a champion. I'm already a winner. I'm a winner today. I'll be a winner tomorrow. When next year comes, I'm going to be that much more victorious because of what I received. See, some people tell me, well, you know, you can't can't talk too much victory because then people won't deal with themselves. Listen, you're not going to be victorious if you don't deal with yourself. But if if all you do is look at yourself, I don't know about you, if you looked at yourself all day long, you get tired, bored, and frustrated. Okay, we've made mistakes. There's not a person sitting in here today that has not made mistakes. And I'm telling you, the Bible says God hates sin. And what sin is, is disobedience to God. God hates sin. But he doesn't hate the acts of sin that are demonstrated through the lives of people. In other words, the act of sin is connected to somebody doing the sin. And he doesn't hate the person that is in the act of disobedience or doing something that's not right. God does not hate that person. And we've, we, a lot of times people have attributed the act of doing something wrong with who they are. And so they're a bad person. I'm telling you, you're not bad. God created you good. Did you hear me? God did not create you bad no matter what you've been through or where you've, done, where you've been or the, the, the de- decisions and the choices that you've made. But listen, what God's after out of us is right choices. But to create and, and see the manifestation of right choices, we have to help each other. We cannot be people that are against each other. We've got to be for each other. And I'm realizing and learning along the way in my walk with God how important it is to be there no matter how frustrated you can get with people that are doing things that you've, you've mastered and you've overcome. You can get frustrated with, with their disobedient acts and why can't they get over something. But many times people need help and somebody to stand with them and be truthful with them. You will not come into my presence and sit in my office and me condone anything in your life, but I'm going to love you through it and not beat you through it. See? But I will not compromise the truth because if I do, you won't see the victory because you can't stay in disobedience and be victorious. It doesn't work. But we've got to learn how to mingle the two of these things how to see, those, the, 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 to see the fact that, yes, there are disobedient acts and we've done things that are wrong, but we've got to see how that meshes with the victory of God. And what happens is the victory of God destroys those things inside of us. And we've got to be in a position to receive what God has done for us so that we can live victorious and not live under the guilt and the shame of the mistakes we've made. And I'm telling you, shame and guilt is what keeps people out of the kingdom. But the scripture says the kindness of God that leads a man to repentance. And we've got to learn how to be kind and understanding without compromising truth. And I tell you what, there's an art to that. It's not easy. In fact, people can misunderstand truthfulness. You know, because you look at 
what the love of God is in, in 1 Corinthians, where's the love chapter, 13? Yeah, in 1 Corinthians 13, one of the characteristics of the love of God is this. I mean, love is patient, it's kind, and it's all that. And, the, and it is all that. That's the nature of God. But one, one of the, or several of the points, but one of them is this. Love doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, but it rejoices, watch, when right and truth prevail. You see, it's different than thinking that that scripture says, the love of God does not rejoice in unrighteousness and will beat you up. People read that. I read it. I know many people that read it that way. It didn't say that. It says, the love of God does not rejoice in unrighteousness or doing something that's wrong, but what it, what it rejoices in is when you get the victory and you do what's right. And not because someone else is looking, but you do what's right because it's right. See? And that's what has to be mixed in in this lifestyle with God so that we don't run from God, we run to God. And the more you run to God and the more victory and liberation that you sense and that you partake of in your life, the more victory and liberation that you have in your life and the more you want. And you want more, and you want more, and so you stay in the victory world instead of in this realm of I'm defeated trying to find victory. No, we're the victorious, and we're letting defeat know it has no authority over us. Amen? That's the position we've got to see ourselves in. Now, I want to read these last two passages today as we end this. Um, Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 20. <clears throat> and I want to look at the first five verses here. In the book of Deuteronomy, I, I've I may have heard someone say this before, but I just look at the book of Deuteronomy as the last will and testament of Moses for, as something that he left for them, for the children of Israel that went into the promised land, he left them this information from Deuteronomy in how to deal with the enemy because what he trained Joshua and Caleb with and what Joshua and Caleb trained the others that went into the promised land with, he trained them to get them to understand, look, once you cross over, it's not going to be a cakewalk. You've got to obey God. And you've got to do exactly what God says and do it the way God says it and complete it. Or you'll not see what he's already put in your hands. Well, same as with you and I. He's already put this in our hands. We're already victorious. We're already winners. Now we have to hear his voice, do exactly what he tells us to do, but not just do kind of what he tells us to do. Do it the way he says do it and finish it. Do it to the end and accomplish it. And once we do that and we live our lives like that and we become accustomed to that, then we're in a position in our lives to receive what he's already done for us. He's already given to us. He's already positioned us for. So I like this, these first five verses here in Deuteronomy 20. When you go out to battle against your enemies and you see horses and chariots 
and people more numerous than you. Do not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God is with you who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Now, Moses has given this to a group of people that left Egypt, but are, are positioning themselves to receive the promises. And I'm telling you today, you can see yourself in a position of leaving Egypt today, positioning yourselves today and onward, positioning yourself to receive everything that God has for you. Whatever Egypt represents in your life, you don't have to tolerate and put up with it anymore. Amen? You don't have to tolerate anything from Egypt. So it shall be when you are, verse 2, when you are on the verge of battle. Well, <clears throat> I want to say this. When you go out, <clears throat> in verse 1 where it says, when you go out to battle against your enemies and you see horses and chariots, what, what, what? I mean, we, we don't ride to work in horses and chariots, right? Most of us don't. Some maybe, but most of us don't. <clears throat> so horses and chariots talk to me about advantages. And, and so when you, when you see the advantage that it looks like that your enemy has on you, don't be moved by that. Because God's above horses and chariots or any other advantages. He's above all those things. So think about that as we read the rest of this. So it shall be when you are on the verge of battle that the priest shall approach and speak to the people. And he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today... You are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid and do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. And <clears throat> when I first started talking this morning, that's what I was saying to you. I believe that most people don't believe that God is really with them. And that he's in this thing called life with them to save them. Yeah, we have initial spiritual salvation, but God wants to save you day to day. He wants to save you in your soul and in your thinking every day. He wants you delivered day to day to day to day to day. And as we're delivered in our soul, because we know that God is with us, then the advantages that I believe that the enemy has against us today... The advantages that he works against you with is fear and strife and division. You know, he, he, works, he works in the church world in a way where, you know, people can't be for one another. When someone is promoted or, there, or some blessing comes in their life, God wants you to rejoice with those who rejoice and hurt with those who hurt so that they can come out of it. We need one another to be victorious. And he said here, when the priests come and he speaks these things to you, listen, as I'm coming today as a five-fold ministry gift and the priesthood of God, and I'm speaking to you these things, listen to what I'm saying, embrace it, receive it, and do something with it. Help other people with it. Don't let strife and division. Many people have strife in their families and, and the allow strife. And so what happens is the enemy has an advantage he gets an upper hand because of what you allow to operate. And God said, you know what? If there's strife and division in your home and it looks like the enemy has an upper hand, you go back to what he said here, know that God is with you and he is here to save you and deliver you of everything that you've been going through. 
See, so it's a day-to-day thing that you can be delivered and set free of. It's not something that has to be this total transformation overnight. It's something that you've got to believe God every day for. And in the process, what happens is, one day, you just realize the light gets turned on, and God says, see, see, I just need you to change that ugly attitude. See, if you hadn't said that word right there, if you hadn't been ugly right there, it wouldn't have created strife over here, but you're blaming this one because they said something that made you mad. But you didn't have to get mad because of what they said. If you had just shut up, it, wouldn't, it would have shut the door on the strife. Well, but I don't want to hear all that. And so Moses said to them in verse 5, and I won't read the rest of this, but in this fifth verse, then the officers shall speak to you saying, what man is there who has built a new house and has not yet dedicated it? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man dedicate it. Now I want you to notice this word dedicate. So I was looking at this word, because you know we were talking a lot about dedication and stuff, and I was looking at this word, and there are three, there are three meanings of this word dedicate. I thought I wrote down where it was anyway. In 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 the strongs, it's 26 something in the Hebrew. But this word dedicate in this this passage right here means to initiate, to discipline. And to train up. So if we're talking, here they're talking natural houses. If we're talking spiritual house, okay? If a man goes, um, if a man, in verse 5 here, okay, and again, here's the teaching coming to the group. If a man goes... Uh, what, is man, uh, what man is there who has built a new house and has not dedicated it? He's not been disciplined in his house. He's not developed the, being disciplined. He's not allowed himself to be trained up or been renewed in his thinking so that he thinks according to the plan and the pattern of God. What man is there who has been built up but he's not thinking right? So what, 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 what's the plan? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man dedicate it. And he goes on and gives other examples in a marriage or in something else. Why wouldn't we, why, listen to, listen to my question, and then I'm going to answer it. My question is this, why wouldn't we go and dedicate ourselves? And the answer to the question is because we don't believe that God is with us and that He loves us and He's really here to save us and to deliver us. That would keep us from becoming disciplined people who have been trained up in the things of God so that this house can be dedicated to God so that there is, a, there is victory that's happening in this house so that victory can happen in another person's house. See, if you know you're victorious and you're living that way, you know, you don't think about you because you're already that way. But if you're a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, loves God, sits here every week after week after week, but you've not dedicated yourself, 
and you've not allowed there to be discipline in your life and, and work through some things, your focus is on you. When God wants your focus off of you and your focus on the good of other people, that's how we win. You won't win if you're not helping someone else win. And other people won't win when they're trying to do it themselves. My oldest sister, when I sat in her living room, and she told me of all the things that I had even no idea, because when I was young, we all separated, and my sisters and my brother went their way, and I went another way, and we, didn't even, we weren't even raised together. And when I sat down with her before she got born again, and she read the dirty laundry list of everything that she had done in her life, and there's no way that God could love her, no way that God could accept her, and no way that God could do for her what she saw Him doing for me. Well, sister, I'm really busy and I got things to do and I, you know, I've got to prosper and I got to, I got all this other stuff got to work in my I don't have time for you. See, if I hadn't begun the discipline path and the training up path and, and the establishing path with God in my house, if I hadn't taken what I had and went back and, and reestablished and got set in the things of God, I wouldn't have had time for her. wouldn't have had a time for a lot of people. But today I got time for people all the time. I got time all the time because when I hear that somebody needs something, I want to help them out. And you know what? You can't save the whole world and you can't be there for every single person every minute of every day. I'm just saying that's where my heart is. Because my focus is off of me and it's on to others. And it, as all of us do that and our focus is off of us because we believe God loves us and that God is for us and no matter what we've ever done, we're forgiven. We don't have to live in the past and we don't have to live under the thumb of the enemy. We don't have to live under the depression and the mistakes of the past. God will even bless your mistakes. I say that over my life every day. Even my mistakes are blessed because I've gone back and redisciplined and made see if you've messed up 14 times and you've not gone back and disciplined and established yourself in the things of God you're going to repeat the same thing it may be in a different set of circumstances it may be in a totally different location man if I could, man if I could just move to New York City everything's going to work in New York if it ain't working in Kerrville it's going to be multiplied even that much more in New York City your location will not change anything. Only God. Now watch this, and I'll end with this. I always like it when I preach a word, when I say I'm going to end with this, and I actually end with it. <laughs> but I'm really going to end with this. 1 Peter 5 and verse 6. I love this passage. I used to not like it, but I do now. Because we went back and reestablished and disciplined myself to understand what it really meant. So I'm going to read this and then end with my, my thoughts on this. Verse 6, Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of the God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all of your care upon him, for he cares for you. Now the enemy in Deuteronomy 20 that had the upper hand is this enemy in 1 Peter 5, 8. For he says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about 
like a roaring lion, not a lion, he's not the lion of the tribe of Judah, just, he's kind of like that. He just, he's got a big roar but no teeth. Seeking whom he may devour. So he's going around seeking whom he may devour. Watch it. But resist him steadfast in the faith. Resist him. The only way you can resist him, number one, don't forget what, what my message is today. The only way that you can resist the devil is first and foremost, if you truly believe and are, have, have gone back or are going back and reestablishing yourself in the fact that God loves you, he's for you, and he has caused you to be victorious. And no matter what you've ever done, he doesn't hold that against you. He just doesn't want you repeating it over and over and over again. So the devil goes around like a roaring lion trying to find somebody, see, that he's got the upper hand or the advantage over that has not gone back to reestablish his house and make sure that his house is right. So he said, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of grace who called you to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Watch it. After you've suffered a while. Now listen, I, I, I worked overtime in studying that sentence out right there. Let me sit down with Dr. Avanzini and he'll tell me more about this. But I've studied this sentence right here. After you've suffered for a little while. And the suffering there has to do with certain Patterns of life that are the result of the way you think in your life having to be extracted from. The suffering process, when you live your life in this direction, and God's got a totally different direction, but He's got so much patience because He knows you won't change this direction and move this direction until you realize that He loves you, that He gave Himself for you, that he's positioned you, that he's given you victory, that you're a winner, that no matter what happened, no matter how many times people abused you, hurt you, or anything else, he was never there putting his stamp of approval on what happened to you in your life. But he's here today wanting you to see how much he loves you and he's for you and he wants you in this path and over here in this path is where the manifestation of what he already paid for for you and it was yours even when you're still going down this path but he just wants you to get there so you can be a recipient because he wants you to receive his blessing even more than you want to and so this suffering is the extraction and the process that it takes to get out of this so that you can be a recipient over here now listen to me you can be over here and begin to inch your way out of it but if you don't stay with it until some of that stuff is cleaned up and cleared out in your thinking. If you don't stay with it. And that's why your neighbor needs you and you need your neighbor. Meaning one another, see? We need each other to help strengthen and build one another. But you, you've got to have right people that, will, that really have your best interest at heart. And, and, and if you get to here and you quit, then you get to go back here. But just don't quit. Because those that don't quit, they reap. And they get in that position and under the funnel of the blessing of God and get on the receiving end of everything that God has. But it will not start if you don't begin to believe that God loves you and that He cares about you and He's not holding anything against you no matter what. If you keep hold of that stuff and you keep thinking that, you'll never get past about right here. 
Because circumstances would just come along. Oh, who the crud, you, you worthless piece of trash. Who you think you are? You remember what you did over here? See, that's the advantage that he has. And where that starts is in that strife thing with your mates. As they'd say in Australia. Maybe your mate, you know, but your friends. And people around you and acquaintances and family members. And, and that strife starts and all of a sudden, man, you find yourself back over here. Why do I even mess with this? Why do I even go to that stupid church? Why do I even show up there and listen to this kind of world? Why, why, why do I come here every week and listen to this kind of mess and put up with this? And I, see, that's the advantage. He's got that advantage. But God said, when you see the horses and the chariots, and it looks like that they have an advantage, remember, I'm with you. Yes. Not only that, but God fights your battles for you. He does. You know what? See, I can't sit around and let God do it. God fights my battles through me. <laughs> and when God's fighting a battle through me, we win every time because of who we're associated. Huh? Through the process of association and how we're connected, we win. Amen. Every time, no matter what, we win. Can you say amen? amen? So the God of all grace, after you've suffered for a little while, watch this, will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To Him be the glory and dominion forever and ever and ever. Amen. Hmm? To Him be the glory. He will strengthen he will settle you. He will confirm you. He will establish you and cause you to be everything that God created you to be. Amen?